This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Willie Anderson, and you're listening to the iTest for Two. time of year again when we choose Hall of Fame candidates for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And this time, it's choosing modern era semifinalists for the class of 2023. Now, Ira, usually, usually it's a group of 25 semifinals, right? But this year, yeah, this year it's 28. In fact, it's a record number, 28, because I guess there was a tie somewhere near the bottom of the pile. And let's go straight to the list, Ira. Let's do this right, right off the bat. Um, I'll do it alphabetically. We've got Eric Allen. We've got Jared Allen, no relation to Eric. Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, your Rondé Barber, Ira. Anquan Bolden, Henry Ellard, Jari Evans, London Fletcher, Dwight Freeney, James Harrison, Rodney Harrison, Devin Hester, Tori Holt, Andre Johnson, Albert Lewis, that'd be friend of the show. Albert Lewis, Robert Mathis, Darrell Rivas, Steve Smith, Fred Taylor, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Heinz Ward, Demarcus Ware, Ricky Waters, Reggie Wayne, Vince Wilfork, I'm running out of gas, Ira, Patrick Willis, and Darren Woodson. Now, you voted. I voted. What do you make of these 28 candidates? Well, I got a message to you two from Simeon Rice. Where the hell am I? <laughs> You're in Tampa. You're he in Tampa. Told, he told me to send that right to Rick Goslin. Now. Yeah, well, Rick Goslin's going to join us quickly and shortly. But before he does, I just want to tell our listeners who are wondering what happens with this group. Well, what happens is we go to another vote. And that vote will be sometime in December with a reveal in early January, if that's the way it uh, follows as past years. We had it, I think, last year in the first week of January. I'd expect it to be the first week of January. Now, if you step back, all right, if you step back and look at this group, I mean, it tells you all you need to know about today's NFL and the passing game. There are seven wide receivers, eight, if you include Devin Hester, but seven wide receivers and there are five DBs. There are, however, no QBs. And what does that mean? Well, <laughs> that's why we asked our good friend, who Ira just revealed, and Hall of Fame voter Rick Gosselin of rickgosselin.com, and formerly the Talk of Fame Network, where I worked with, worked with Risk. Um, he joins us today from Dallas. And Gooseman, 
thanks for being here. And, and first question, um, how do you look at this group and where were you surprised if there were surprises? Well, I think I see a lot of goodness on this list, but I'm not sure how much greatness I see. Uh, look at, there are two running backs on the list. Neither of them finished in the top 10 in rushing, neither won a rushing title, and neither made first team all pro. Mm -hmm. Only one of the receivers ranks in the top 10 in yardage, only two rank in the top 10 in catches, and only one of these receivers ranks in the top 20 in catches, yards, and touchdowns. Do you care to guess who the hell that was? Uh, well, I guess that'd be a no. <laughs> There's a lot of silence here. Heinz uh, Ward. Yeah. Heinz Ward. Well, he's our buddy. I mean, he's the guy we would like to see move, but well, I'll ask you about him later. But okay, what, only, what, only, only one of the pass rushes ranks in the top 15 in sacks, and none of the defensive backs rank in the top 20 in interceptions. So I see a lot of goodness. I, I don't see, I don't see a lot of greatness. Goose, it sounds to me like when we do this vote next time, you got an easy job. You're cutting it not to 15. You're cutting it to 10. You got no, you don't have 15 guys. <laughs> I can go right to six. <laughs> uh, and Clark, I noticed, Clark, uh, no surprise, Goose, that um, 10, the 10 finalists uh, that didn't make the hall last year uh, are back on the list. No surprise there. Um, Goose, I'm looking at the other 18 guys um, that were not in the room last year that are on the semifinalist list. And, Rick, you should be smiling because 10 of them are defensive players and eight are offensive players out of those 18. Yeah, I got on the, on the 28, I got 12 offense, 15 defense, and one special team. Uh, I, I agree. I, I did. The offense is still, it's not quite <clears throat> three to one, but it's, it's been two to one uh, ratio in the Hall of Fame. So I think a lot of great defensive players haven't passed over over the years. Most of them now are in a senior pool. But uh, yeah, I could easily come up with uh, three or four of the defenders in this list that could be Hall of Famers. It looks like these pass rushers, Goose, we, we got a lot, Jim. We got Jared Allen. We, you know, we, we, we've got uh, Dwight Freeney. We got Mathis. Uh, we got um, uh, some other guys that are all fighting. Uh, Demarcus Ware. Um, it seems like um, there's a little there's a little logjam in pass rushers, and you know what, Rick? It, it may not be broken until Julius Peppers comes along in a few years. Well, I, I'm surprised Demarcus Ware didn't get in last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he would have been a first ballot guy. But keep in mind, of all the players in, in Canton, 63.3 percent won championships. And Jared Allen, I think that's the one thing that he's missing on his resume is that championship. And the other point is 75.4% of all the players in Canton made all decade. And the only two pass rushes that made all decade in this group were Ware and Freeney. So if you just start looking at, you know, what gets people into the Hall of Fame, the, the, the list slims down. We're speaking with Hall of Fame voter Rick Goslin. That would be Rick Goose Goslin here on the I Test for Two. And Goose, I'm glad you mentioned Dwight Freeney because there are five first-year eligibles on this list. Jari Evans, Dwight Freeney, Harrison, and that would be James Harrison, Joe Thomas, and Darrell Revis. Right. Now, Revis and Thomas are going to get through. I don't think it takes a brain surgeon to figure that out. But I wonder about Freeney, because you and I have talked about this before. He's got a teammate on this list 
and that's Robert Mathis. And they are comparable. They're really comparable with one difference. Freeney's all decade. Robert Mathis is not. So is Freeney the most likely of these three remaining five-year eligibles? I mentioned James Harrison and Jari Evans to get through. And how likely do you think he is to get through? Well, let me talk in general terms. When I look at this list, I want to find a Hall of Fame performance, a Hall of Fame characteristic. And there are a couple of them here. One, Joe Thomas, six-time first-team All-Pro. That screams Hall of Fame. Right. Robert Mathis, an NFL record, 54 forced fumbles. A lot of people get sacks. What happens when you get to the quarterback? When Freeney got there, the ball is bouncing around on the ground. Ronnie Barber, 14 defensive touchdowns. That jumps out at me. Albert Lewis, 11 block kicks. That jumps out at me. And Devin Hester, 19 kick and punt returns touchdowns. Those are Hall of Fame traits that a lot of the guys on this don't have. They had good careers, but they didn't have that one Hall of Fame bookmark that those uh, five players have. Since you mentioned Albert Lewis, we talked about him on this program, I would say, what, four to six weeks ago, something like that, with Tony Dungy. And he's a big Albert Lewis fan. I know you are as well, Goose. You covered him. You wrote about him. He's been a semifinalist only once before. It's 2013. But now he's back as a semifinalist. And maybe that show this shows that he's got some legs here or there's some momentum going for him. Can you make a case for Albert Lewis getting through to the final 15 now? Well, he's, he and Henry Ellard are the two guys that are in their last year of eligibility. Yep. Albert Lewis is as good a cover corner as I've ever seen. And I, I spent 13 years covering the Chiefs. This guy was special. Tony Dungy said he graded higher than any player he's ever had, including Peyton Manning and, and Marvin Harrison at his position. Right. They didn't throw at him. And they had a Pro Bowl corner on the other side in Kevin Ross. And I think what, again, separates him, 11 block kicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he blocked punts. He blocked uh, extra points. He, he did it all. And he's a guy that I talk about, you, you got to be a champion to get in the Hall of Fame. Well, he never won a championship, and that's been a knock on him. But he's certainly deserving. Um, like I said, he's as good a cover corner as I've seen. Well, Goose, last year, well, this year, actually, but last year when we voted, we got Sam Mills through in his last year of eligibility. Uh, I think a couple of years before, if it wasn't the year before, we've got um, Clay Matthews in his last year of eligibility. Do you think that happens with Albert Lewis here? Do you think that can push him forward because it seemed as if that idea of this is your last chance to get these guys in really helped motivate voters to get behind those two individuals. Albert Lewis could be the third, if that's the case. Do you think that happens? Well, I mean, Everson Walls was the same case. Yeah, that's right. Before that, Cliff Harris and Rayfield Wright were, uh, were guys that finally got into, into the room in their last year of eligibility. I would hope this helps Lewis. I think what, what Tony said, what you guys had in your show I think there's more, more public awareness now of how good a player Albert Lewis was. I would hope he gets in. Uh, he's got stiff competition. You know, Rondé, of course, has been in the room. Right. Darrell Rivas will probably get in the room. Uh, Eric Allen is a very underrated cornerback. He's, he's got the most interceptions of these, of these corners. Uh, it's going to be tough. I, I don't see four cornerbacks uh, getting into the final 15. But I would hope whatever number it is, Albert Lewis is in that group because he's he deserves to be discussed. And that's the problem I've got with the Hall. Not enough great players are cycled through the room. And they all end up in the senior pool because they didn't win championships. They weren't all decade. Albert Lewis deserves to be discussed. And I, w- I would hope we have that chance in January. Rick, I want to ask you about uh, a player that you just mentioned uh, a moment ago with Albert Ronnie Lewis. Barber? 
<laughs> no, and um, Sammy Rice. <laughs> Rick, here's another guy. Here's another Mike, guy. Mike Allstock. Mike Allstock. He needs to be in the room, T- gentlemen. This is a serious topic. Now, come on, uh, Goose. That's Henry Eller. Now, agreed. Let Let's spend a minute on Henry Eller. Goose. The guy averaged 17 yards a catch at a time that you know run off uh, oriented offenses he was a very good punt returner um and goose there's a category I, I didn't even know this category existed but you talked about something that's unique yards per touch yards per touch he's second all time to james lofton i guess that includes guys that uh, return kicks maybe or whatever yeah. um goose H- henry ellard needs to have his day uh in front of the committee Agreed. And it took him 20 years to become a semifinalist for the first time. That was wrong. Again, Henry Eller didn't win a championship. And if he didn't win a championship, it's a much longer road to Ken. But I think what separates him is, is when I look at receivers, I ask, what did you do after you caught the ball? I look at yards per catch, I look at touchdowns. And the yards per catch from Eller jumps out. And the fact is, he was an elite Punt return. He turned four punts for touchdowns his first three seasons. Average something better than 13 yards of a, a punt return uh, all three of those years. This is an elite player who didn't win a championship who needs to be discussed. Again, I would hope Ellard and Lewis are in that final 15 because they both need this discussion. Whether they get in or not doesn't really matter. They need to be discussed. And, and Rick, the name of the show is I Test for Two. It's not the Ira Kaufman podcast. It's the I Test for Two, Goose. Uh, we'll see about changing that, but <laughs> Rick, along those lines, sometimes you look at a guy. You just look at a guy. And I'm talking about Heinz Ward. Um, You don't always have to just judge him on the statistics. Goose, this guy was a complete player. He was a winner. Uh, And he was a glue guy on on some great teams. Heinz Ward needs to be talked about a little bit. Heinz Ward and and, uh, Darren Woodson have been semifinalists seven times apiece without ever getting to the finals. This group has thought enough of these guys to put them in the top 25, but not enough to put them in the top 15. Again, I, th- I think both uh, Ward and Woodson deserve to be discussed. You know, Darren's in his 15th season of eligibility and, and Ward's in his seventh. But there's going to be some time. But these guys deserve to be in the room. I mean, Darren Woodson won three championships. And, you know, I said championships are a big part of it. What, what hurt him was that he, made, he didn't make all decade. And I think that was uh, an error by the committee. We put Ronnie Lott on, and he he played like three years in the 90s, and he wasn't the same player he was in San Francisco when he was with the Jets and the Raiders. But he got that last slot over Woodson. If Woodson had been on the all-decade team instead of Lott, I think he would have been in the room by now. But he's he's deserving. Again, there's so many guys that are deserving that haven't been in the room. Um, one of the problems is all the repeaters. You know, we, we keep bringing back the guys that didn't get in without looking at the, the full board. And eventually, all those guys that keep repeating that, that are in the room five, six, seven times, they get in the Hall of Fame at the expense of a lot of great players who now live in the senior pool. We're with Hall of Fame voter Rick Gosselin of rickgosselin.com on the eye test for two. And Goose, um, earlier I'd asked you about disappointments. I'm talking about people who did not make this list, who aren't among the 28. For me, it's Leslie O'Neill. And I've expressed this before in this program, 132 and a half sacks, as many as 
LT Lawrence Taylor, and yet he can't get a sniff. He's been a Hall of Fame semifinalist once, 2018. And and for Ira, I, I think it's Simeon Rice, or, yeah. or maybe it's or maybe it's Mike Allstadt or Martin Gramatica, <laughs> Brad Johnson, Keyshawn Johnson. I don't know any of the Tampa Bay Bucks. But for you, who's it? Who's the biggest disappointment? Who didn't make this list? Someone who didn't make it. Richmond Webb. You know, all-decade tackle, you know, protector of uh, Dan Marino's blind side. Right. Uh, I think I, I don't know why he has slipped through the cracks. He's he's been like he's he's the new Willie Anderson. Willie finally got his day in the room. But I, Richard Webb was a great player, and he played in that great offense with Marino. And he can't. He was an all-decade guy, but again, he didn't win a championship, and he can't get a sniff. There, there are just so many guys. There's so many worthy guys that, that never get into this room and. And, you know, we get him in the senior pool after 25 years. Leroy Glover's another one. What's that? Leroy Glover's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Another guy, all decade player. Um, didn't win a champ. Well, didn't win a championship. Right. And he can't get in the room. And that's, that's wrong. We don't, we don't cycle enough people through the room. I would not be adverse to having a, a, a group of 25 finalists as opposed to semifinalists. Wow. Let's talk about it. I, I've always wanted to have a second meeting, maybe in June, non-voting meeting. Everybody come and let's talk about all the candidates and let's figure out the pecking order of who needs to be discussed and who doesn't. We don't discuss anybody until we're in the room on, on January 17th. And a lot of players historically have slipped through the cracks and that's wrong. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. And, and actually, if you did it in June, it would have to be no conflicts for anybody in terms of mini camps or games, upcoming games or training camps. I think it's a good idea. Ira, put that on the list. Call Jim Porter. I got it. He's going to Europe in June. He can't do it. Goose, um, you think um, I'm going to give you two names, Rick, that were in the room, and you tell me whether you think they have staying power, Rick, and you think they can return to the 15. And that's Willie Anderson. Is he a one-and-done guy, Goose? And, and Devin Hester. Rick, I was watching the Falcons game the other day. Forgive me, but I was. And Cordero <laughs> Patterson returned a kickoff, and that was his ninth touchdown. Uh, set an all-time record. So, Rick, Devin Hester, you know, he's been represented as the clear-cut greatest returner in history. Uh, I'm not sure I buy that, number one. And, Rick, is is, uh, is there any chance Hester or Willie Anderson and don't get back to the room? Billy White Shoes Johnson was on the 75th and 100th anniversary teams as the kick returner. He can't get in the room. So I, I I don't I don't think that Hester automatically just jumps the queue over Johnson. I think I think uh, White Shoes is is unfinished business. But again, we're not putting any special team players in. Shane Leckler didn't make this list. He was on an anniversary team. Right. Well, we don't we don't put a whole lot of stock in special teams. NFL coaches do. You can win or lose games. I mean, the Patriots won a game last week and on a punt return, ten to three. Yeah. Special teams are a third of the game. But winner in this this committee does not acknowledge that. And Willie Anderson is going to be tough now because you got Joe Thomas there. You know, when it was a softer class, you know, and he was dealing with guards, he had a shot. But now Joe Thomas is there, and I'm not sure you're going to see two tackles uh, on the podium in, in, in next August. Uh, but, again, Willie Anderson was as good a right tackle as any of the guys who put in left tackle from his era. And I was so glad he got in the room. Uh, I think his credentials stack up. You know, he says uh, 10th year of eligibility. He's got some time left. But it, this is – this is going to be tough because I, I think a lot of the final 15 are going to be defensive players. 
If you I have one tackle, it's, it's probably Joe Thomas. I'd almost guarantee Hester's back. The reason being, he was a top 10 guy last year in his first year of eligibility, top 10. It's, it's odd for someone to go top 10 and just disappear. Yeah. Um, Rick, will there be any pushback on Revis at all, Goose, or is he just going to be pushed uh, and, and take one of those five spots uh, with, without any, any question at all? I think there should be discussion. Uh, I put Albert Lewis there with, with Daryl Revis. Revis won a championship. Albert didn't. Revis ranks 232nd career interceptions. And then he had, what, 20, 29 career interceptions? You know, Dion was shut down corner. They avoided him. He had, what, 50-some? You know, where, where are the interceptions? Um, but again, you know, the, the, the board has gotten so much younger. And a lot of the people that are voting now didn't see Albert Lewis in the 80s. Right. And that's that, that you know, it, it, there's a, a latest is the greatest mentality here. And, and you know, I, I think I think you're right. I think Rivas slides. He gets in there top 15, top 10, probably top five. Uh, but again, I, I'll put Albert Lewis there with him. I, I saw both guys play. And, and Lewis, what separates him is the 11 block kicks. I mean, Rivas wasn't that guy on special teams. Albert Lewis was a four down player. And there aren't many guys in this list that were four down players. And because of what you mentioned, Goose, about the uh, relative age of the group as a whole, I, I think that dooms Henry Ellard, honestly. You said we, have, we have seven wide receivers. He was a great wide receiver, but there are a lot of people in there either who didn't see him or, quite honestly, who don't know of him. Don't know of Henry Ellard. have to look him up. But uh, because I mentioned that, and that's the, the, the largest group we've got here, seven wide receivers, how do you stack those guys? Because I know Ira and I are big Heinz Ward fans. We've mentioned that before, but this is his seventh year as a semifinal, seven years. And those pre six previous years, he can't get forward. He can't move. Right. And, and Reggie Wayne moved forward. Andre Johnson moved forward. Um, Torrey Holt moved forward. And Heinz, yeah, no, Heinz Ward's standing still. So how do you stack that group? Well, I had a story a couple weeks back um, talking about second receivers off teams. There are only four in history that both wide receivers made it off championship teams, and all of them were multi-championship guys or multi-championship appearances. Tori Holt and, and Reggie Wayne were the secondary receivers on teams that won one championship. You know, we, we put in Isaac Bruce, and we put in Marvin Harrison. Now, does a secondary receiver belong? You know, Max Speedy and Dante Lavelli from Cleveland, where are those two guys? Swan and Stallworth, are those guys? Um, do, do we put, do these guys deserve to be in there as, as secondary receivers? You know, I think the problem right now is we judge receivers on stats. We, we look at quantity as opposed to quality. And again, I'm a guy, when I look at this group, it was average per catch and touchdowns. What did you do after you caught the ball? I don't want to hear about catches. I don't want to hear about first downs. What did you do after you catch the ball? If you're averaging 12 yards a catch and another guy's averaging 18 yards a catch, I kind of partial the guy that averaged 18 yards per catch. So I'm not sure how it shakes out. But again, like you said, the, the, board, the board is younger. And, and they know, you know, they've seen the Andre Johnsons and the Steve Smiths and the Tory Holtz, and they're going to look at them based on stats. And, and that's why a lot of these guys keep advancing. But um, again, I'm I'm a quality guy, not a quantity guy. Well, that's going to make it tougher and tougher, Goose, as we move forward. Yeah. Simply because you look at the numbers today, they're outrageous. I mean, the the numbers are so inflated for receivers; they're outrageous. 
And, and now running backs are catching a zillion balls, but um, you look at the, you know, the Steve Smiths and, and, and uh, the Tory Holtz, and you start looking at this group, uh, Anquan Bolden, um, the number of people who are getting Tory Holt, zillions of catches, and it's only going up. <laughs> it's not coming right. down. So uh, at some point, you've got to break that log jam. Uh, we did it years ago, but with a different group, and that was the, the Reed, Tim Brown, um, uh, Chris Carter group, and, and Carter. we finally broke that. But who breaks this group? Who breaks this group? Who finally emerges? I'm not sure one emerges this year, uh, depending on what we see. If there are four receivers in the finals, I, I'm not sure, you know, what happened when we had that previous log jam, they all canceled each other out. Yeah. Carter, the Carter camp had votes and the, uh, the Tim Brown camp had votes. And they, they all canceled each other out. They all, all knocked themselves out in the vote to 10. And then we had the same thing with pass rushes about 10 years ago. Same thing. They were canceling themselves out. I don't know. I, you know, if you want to, if you just want to go on numbers, you know, I, like I said, there's only one guy in this group that ranked in the top 20 in all three categories, catches, yards, and touchdowns. That's Heinz Ward. Yeah. He's got won two Super Bowls. He was a Super Bowl MVP. He was certainly the best blocker in this group. He was a ferocious blocker on, on a running team. Right. Uh, I, I like Ward. I now will the rest of the committee like Ward? I don't know, but I like Ward. They, they haven't. And if you look at this year's vote, Andre Johnson was the one guy to move forward in his first year of eligibility. So that tells you that voters are warm to Andre Johnson versus the other guys. I, I think um, what they took up, uh, Rick. I think what uh, what Andre Johnson. I, I think a factor in his favor, Goose, was they looked at the quarterbacks that that were throwing on the ball as opposed to Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt. I think that factored in in Johnson's favor. I don't know if it should. Um, Rick, you talked this about – This loves first ballot guys. Let me just say that. It does. Rick, you talked about all pros, and I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Two guys jump out at me, Goose. Zach Thomas and Patrick Willis in terms of not only all pros, but first-team all pros. Goose, what's the hang-up with both of them? Zach Thomas didn't win a championship, nor did Patrick Willis. And I think, again, I, I gave you the, you know, the 63% of these players in Canton won championship. This, this group loves winners. Uh, I, I think both of those guys would have a better chance if the other guy wasn't on the ballot. If it was just Zach Thomas, I think he'd have a better chance. Or if it was just Patrick Willis, he'd have a better chance. But again, you, you, you get guys start canceling each other out at positions. And again, I, I look at this, I think I think Joe Thomas is the best candidate on the slate. Ten Pro Bowls, six first-team All-Pros, first-team All-Decade. I mean, he's he's the guy. After that, it's, it is anybody's guess who the other, who the other five or six are going to be that we're going to pick. Because, I, again, I see a lot of goodness, but I don't see a whole lot of greatness on the slate. He was so great. <laughs> Goose, Thomas was so great that you, you, you can't hold the team's lack of success uh, against them, nor should you nor should you. No, again, I think his, he has the best resume of anybody here. I think there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I, I think there are like nine, only nine players on this list that were all decade. And those guys, like I said, 75% of the guys in, in players in Canton were all decade. So those nine would, would stand good chances. You know, Joe Thomas, Jari Evans, Dwight Freeney, Patrick Willis, Daryl Rivas, we're all first ballot, our first uh, first team guys. The other guys are second. So those guys, I think, mm -hmm. this group likes winners. It likes all decade champions. 
And, and those guys would be the, the favorites, I would guess. Because right behind, right behind Joe Thomas is the candidate you're going to present. That's DeMarcus Ware. Like you, I was surprised, actually shocked he didn't make it this year as a first ballot guy. I think he is virtual slam dunk this year. But right behind him. I thought yeah, that last year. Me too. Um, but I think that is, is correct for this year. And right behind him is a guy that uh, we sometimes talk about on here. Okay, we always talk about on here. Rondé Barber, who Ira Kaufman is presenting. And could you perform a, a public service favor here and give Ira his speech um, for Rondé Barber? He needs someone else to sort of push him forward. Could you do that for us? Because we usually ask our guests not only to plug us, but to plug Rondé Barber as well. I, can, I, cannot, I cannot do a better job what Ira's done. <laughs> Nobody can. Yeah, the tough part is you, you want to put a fourth guy in off a team that won one, fourth defender off a team that won one championship. That's the only thing that's worked against Rondé. I mean, 14 touchdowns for a defensive player. I mean, that's that's amazing. Block kicks, interceptions, fumbles. I mean, he was an offensive player on the defensive side of the ball. And Irish touched on all these things. And I, I, I don't I don't know what the issue is. Again, he's one of the six, five or six guys that had a, a Hall of Fame trait that I like. And I don't know. Ira's got to come up with a new hook. I know when I was doing when I was doing Michael Irvin and those guys, Charles Hay, the guys that lasted, I felt I had to come up with a new hook every year. And that's going to be Ira's job. Yeah, but Ira got John Lynch in the eighth try, so he can do it. He can do it. Goose, <laughs> what's going on with the quarterbacks, Goose? Uh, who's going to who's going to be the next quarterback that's going to be a viable candidate? Well, that's a good question. Um, got to be Eli, right? Yeah, Eli's probably Eli's probably the one that that'll be up. Um, I, I, I would like think, to see. I, like, I would like to see. I don't think Eli Manning's a slam dunk, uh, in my opinion. It's going to be a battleground. I I think you're right. Uh, I the, the one thing I can say about Eli, he made the the plays and the throws to win the biggest games of his life, and that's what you want in a quarterback. But if you look at his regular seasons, he was a 500 quarterback. He was dead even 500. And he wasn't, he, he wasn't his brother, Peyton. Uh, he was never first team all pro. And, you know, where do you start drawing the lines? Um, you know, he ranks in the top 10 all time in, in yards and touchdowns, but again, we've become such a quantity driven game. We don't look at the quality of the, of the player. We look at his numbers and that that's going to help Eli. Um, I would like to see Ken Anderson and, and Cecil Isbell come out of the senior committee. And I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, I think both those guys are worthy. But yeah, I, I think you're going to see a, we won't be around for it, but 10 years from now with this group of uh, players that are playing now, the Mahomeses and the Joe Burrows and the, yeah, even Tua, uh, Herbert, uh, they're, they're, they're a, a really top shelf group of quarterbacks. They're going to be coming up 10, 15 years down the road. But strikes me, Goose, that that point, it's going to be like the wide receivers today because they're all going to have these prodigious inflated numbers and you're going to have to separate them somehow rather than letting them all in. Yeah, I hope they all retire at the same time and then I can sit back because I won't be on the committee then. <laughs> I will. It out. I will. Hey, go, I Goose, will. I need, Goose, I need, a win. Win. Goose, I need a win. Maybe I can talk Brady into going in as a Buccaneer and make this make <laughs> that, that stand up and sit down for it. Maybe I can do that. <laughs> and good luck in that, Ira. There are a lot of guys in Boston who want to make that pitch. Hey, uh, Goose, I got one last one for you. We've talked in the past here about Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan as Hall of Fame candidates. Neither one of us believes that Matt Ryan uh, belongs. We think he's in the Hall of Good, but 
doesn't belong and was somewhat conflicted about Russell Wilson. He's certainly trending downward right now, but he, he has had an illustrious career. He did win a Super Bowl. He went to two of them. Where do you stand with those two guys? I think I've got a higher bar than most. Uh, I'm of the belief that first ballot Hall of Famers are the special guys. Right. And there may be a dozen true first ballot Hall of Famers in history. Lawrence Taylor and, and John Unitas and Jim Brown. I think a lot of the guys you put in first ballot really aren't first. They're Hall of Famers, but they're not the, the elite of the elite. Uh, when I look at Unitas, Montana, uh, Brady, Bradshaw, I don't see uh, Ryan and Wilson being in that group. Now, again, it's such a quantity-driven league. They both got up a year or two left, and they're going to have pretty good numbers. And the board, 10 years from now, is probably going to judge them more on quantity than quality. So that's that's the issue. But I don't, I don't see Ryan or, or Wilson being Johnny Unitas. Is Ira Kaufman first ballot Hall of Famer? Ira Kaufman? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rick, as, as, a, as a clerk for UPI in New York, he was a first ballot <laughs> slam dunk Hall of Famer. Goose, uh, you put Philip Rivers in the same category. As, same category. Yeah, same category. category. And again, what hurts Rivers and Ryan is, is the lack of championships on a resume. You know, if you win, and that's what's going to help Eli. In fact, he won two. But if, if you don't win a championship, oh, well, that's, that's tough. Have you said before, Goose, and it will come up when Eli Manning is presented, Hall of Fame moments, maybe not a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I, I tell you what. Those two Super Bowls against the Patriots, that have, if you want to build your Hall of Fame resume, build it on those two games because he he made the plays to win the biggest games. I, I would build it also on the 2012 championship game against San Francisco. You remember the 1994 championship game that Troy Aikman played against the 49ers. You and I were both there. You were covering them. I was covering the, I was covering the 49ers. You were covering the Cowboys. That's as well as I've seen a quarterback play. He got knocked down and just got the absolute hell beaten out of him and kept throwing and throwing and made it a game when it was getting out of reach. I thought the best game I saw of Eli wasn't necessarily those two Super Bowls. It was that game against the 49ers. The same thing. They just buried him. He kept getting up and throwing and throwing. Somehow willed that team to the finish line. So I think those three games are going to be presented, but three games do not a career make. And you're right. Get a 500 record. Um, and I think is the only times he led the league in any category were interceptions a couple of times. And that's, that's the issue. You know, yeah. he's going to have, he's going to be a top 10 for touchdowns and yards. And that's what they're going to look at. It's right. again, quantity, not quality. Right. Don't forget. He also won the first game ever played at Jerry world. So put that in that group. <laughs> and then sign the wall. That was a classic. That was, Hall that of was Fame a classic. Ever. That was, you know what, he, he and his brother should both be in the Hall of Fame of broadcasting because they're doing a great job on an ESPN show. That's what I want for Monday Night Football. I agree. I, that's, that, that's, a, that's a fun watch, uh, those two guys going. I think they have, I think they've got too many guests. Uh, yeah. A lot of times I'd rather hear just the two of them talk as opposed to the, you know, the token guests, but that's their show. Rick, you just saw your Cowboys. Uh, would you be shocked if they made it to the NFC title game? I wouldn't be shocked if they made it to the Super Bowl. I think the NFC is wide open. I, I I think Minnesota is still in it. I think Philadelphia is in it. San Francisco's in it. Dallas is in it. I, it's, it's who's playing the best football, you know, he, heading out of December into January. But it's not like the AFC. I think I think the it's in the AFC. It's going to be 
Patrick Mahomes to lose. He doesn't lose many games. But you look at that Buffalo, that's going to be a dynamic playoff, uh, the AFC. NFC, not so. I, I think there are probably two or three teams in the AFC better than the NFC. But it is wide open. Um, San Francisco, Dallas, and I think the, the Minnesota loss was kind of an aberration. I think they're better than that. Yeah. But who, who knows? Who knows? Who's, who knows who's coming on the NFC? But I, I could see the Cowboys going to the NFC. I can see they like they did against Minnesota the other day. They can beat anybody in the NFC. That was quite a rebound for Dallas coming off that uh, Green Bay debacle. Goose, that was impressive. They better rebound after that one. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, this is not right. a patient fan base. <laughs> hey, Ira, you know what? I, I agree with him on the AFC, but I'm hoping the AFC championship game is played in Buffalo. Why? Because I want to see a game with like six feet of snow around. I want to see a game in the wintertime, as long as we still have winter, barely, in this country. And then, you know, Goose, you and I can go up there and have some wings. Last time Goose and I were in Buffalo together, we were there for one week in 1990 for the conference championship game. We must have buried about 300 wings out that week. Yeah, and they were bombing. <laughs> yeah. Bombs are falling all over the yeah, world. That's right. It was, it was unreal. I was disappointed anyway. they moved that game to Detroit last week. I was hoping they'd play that game in, in eight feet of snow. I was too, because what are the most memorable games? Ones where oh. there's inclement weather. Unfortunately, that was uh, more than inclement weather. Hey, Goose, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the education, information, all of that. But great to see you and great to hear about your new gig. Rick okay, guys. Appreciate it. You guys take care. You got Thanks, it. Rick. That was Hall of Fame voter Rick Gosson of rickgosson.com and Ira, font of information, always. You know, Clark, I talk to other people. Uh, I talk to pe Buck executives. I, I talk to people on other teams. Clark, you're the same way. You, you mentioned Rick Gosson's name. You, you, always, you always get a positive reaction. They know who he is. They know how important he is. Um, boy, has he built one heck of a reputation. Yeah, you, you know, I've mentioned uh, Ira Kaufman's name at the restaurants in, in Tampa. They send me away. So they sent me to BDQ. 10% surcharge, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Whoa, Ira. <laughs> They're calling for you. It was I was there. So let's hear it. Where were you? All right. Here we go, baby. Uh, you know, it's it's almost uh, uh, 32 years ago. Clark, that's how long I've been doing this this darn wow. thing. Wow. De December 2nd, 1990, Clark, in Tampa. The Bucks are having a terrible season. Ray Perkins' fourth year. Clark, they end a six-game losing streak by rallying past Atlanta, 23-17. Ray Perkins against Jerry Glanville. Testaverde throws for 351, including the winning pass with 39 seconds left. Big comeback from the Bucks. Fans are going crazy. All 22,000 of them, Clark, going crazy. <laughs> and Clark, here's why that game's important. The next day, Perkins was fired. Oh, wow. The next day after a victory. Here comes Culverhouse, who called Perkins my Vince Lombardi. <laughs> when they hired him in 1987, uh, and they were heading into a bye week, and here's the quote from Culverhouse. In any company, if you don't meet your goals, the head man is out. Ray took it pretty hard. He walked out with a shoebox full of his stuff, Clark, after a victory. Wow. Wow. You were there for that. And I was there for the game, and I was there for the cardboard box. 
Well, you know how difficult Ray Perkins was to cover, right? I mean, I, yeah. I only know him from afar. I certainly yeah. watched him when he was playing with the Baltimore Colts, a great receiver. But um, I, I, I watched him from afar, and we did some conference calls when the Chargers would play the Bucks, and he wasn't really expansive. He didn't go into anything because I remember one time we asked him, um, what do you think of this Chargers offense, and, and how do you attack it? He goes, what, do you want me to give our, you our game plan? I'm not going to talk about that. Every coach talks about it. They just give you generalities. But a great story from Ron Borges. He went down to the University of Alabama where Ray starred. And Ray then coached down to Alabama. He goes down there to do a profile on him. And Ray walks him around the practice. He's giving him nothing. He's giving him nothing. And Ron's just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, and then finally Perkins stops and he points to a spot on the practice field. He goes, see that spot over there? And Ron says, yeah. And he goes, almost died. One day I almost died there. And Ron now goes, hallelujah. I got something. I got a hook. And Ron goes, what happened? And Ray says, I lived. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was oh. it. Oh, oh boy. It's uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry he's gone, but he, uh, he, he was an interesting guy, a terrific player. Mark, I, I covered him. I covered him with the Giants. Then I came down oh, to Tampa, and two years for, later, I, I'm covering him again with the Bucks. Glutton for punishment. Wow, wow. wow. He, as I said, great player, not such a great coach, but um, so sad that he, he's gone. And he, anyway, Ray Perkins, not expansive with his quotes. Hey guys, you know, as it, you, you probably heard earlier this week, I'm sure you know that every year at this time, there's a, a pardoning of turkeys, right? At the White House had a pardoning of turkeys. President Biden pardoned a couple this week. I think it was chocolate and chip, which I, I love. I put them together and you got a great sandwich. But, um, you know, you have chocolate and chip pardons, so they, they escape. But we don't have turkeys on this program, so we can't pardon turkeys, except we can pardon individuals or things that happen, either past, present, or maybe things that will happen. But Ira, Ian, talking about Ian Glendon, a Hall of Fame producer, you guys are involved here. You can do it. We're, you can do what Joe Biden did this week. You can pardon anything you want. So I'm going to ask you, I'll start first with, start first with Ira. You're going to pardon somebody or something? You got anyone in mind? Clark, I got a Hall of Fame pardon. I do. And it's in honor of our great guest, Rick Goslin, who covered this guy. I'm, I'm going to pardon Marty Schottenheimer for not reaching a Super Bowl. And I'll tell you why, Clark. He won 200 freaking games. Yeah, he did. Number seven on the all-time list. He had two losing seasons in 20 years. He won at least 10 games 11 times. Clark, he went 14-2, and two, and you might have covered that team, the 2006 I did. I did. Chargers. I did, yep. And finally, Clark, and I think this sums it up, and look, he was 5-13 and 13 in the postseason. You can't change it. Clark, I covered the drive. I covered the Ernest Biner fumble. You covered that game against the Patriots in that crazy playoff game where I think the guy picked off the ball to basically close off the game, and then he fumbled. Fumbles, yeah. Fumbled. So, Clark, the craziest things, nobody suffered more heartbreaking losses than Marty Schottenheimer. I don't think they're his fault. I thought he was a great coach. And let's, let's, let's have a little discussion about Marty Schottenheimer going to camp. Ian, who are you going to pardon? Uh, I, I'm going to pardon Aaron Rodgers, and for for a lot of this, I was kind of chuckling because for a lot of the similar reasons that Ira pardoned Marty Schottenheimer, and that is, well, Aaron Rodgers only got to one Super Bowl, only won one, and I, I think based on what we've seen this year, I, I don't think the prospects of ever getting back 
are, are very high. Um, but the way we judge quarterbacks, uh, at least in this era, relative to Tom Brady has ruined how I think we are supposed to see it. So I think we look at Aaron Rodgers' career and certainly now and say, oh, this guy only went to this. He's a, he's a you know, he fell short, this, that, and the other. Um, the, the guy's a four-time MVP and one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen, certainly in this era of football. And unfortunately, I think he's going to get judged unfairly because he didn't go to more Super Bowls. And the reality of it is it's, it's kind of hard to win and go to Super Bowls. So it shouldn't be on him for this. Uh, has he come up short? Sure. But a lot of quarterbacks have. So I, I'm going to pardon Aaron Rodgers, and that might shock some people. It shocks me, to be honest with you, because I know how strongly you feel about Tom Brady. What do you got, um, Clark? What do you got? I got Jeff Saturday slash Jim Irsay haters. I'm going to pardon them because – we were speaking about Joe Thomas earlier, right? Hall of Fame uh, candidate Joe Thomas. He called the hiring of Jeff Saturday, quote, the most egregious thing I can remember happening in the NFL, unquote. Apparently, in, he didn't remember the stupidity of Spygate. And then we have Bill Cowher, Hall of Fame coach Bill Cowher. He called it, quote, a disgrace to the coaching profession, unquote. Apparently, guys, he didn't remember the hiring of Urban Meyer. So anyway, I look at the Colts under Jeff Saturday. They're one and one. They beat the Raiders. They should have beaten the Eagles. The Eagles had to come back from 13 to three to beat them in the last minute. And, and they're actually fun to watch. I mean, if, if they're a, a clown show, as somebody described them, a, an anonymous source described them, it's a clown show I want to watch. I enjoy watching that team. So all those happy, all those haters, all those haters of Jim Mersey, all those haters of Jeff Saturday, you're pardoned and happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Ira, you got any final thoughts? Uh, no, we're going to uh, my brother-in-law's. He uh, he's his gourmet cook, Clark. You're not invited. You, you can't. <laughs> I talk. noticed that. I'm going to stop you at the Florida that. border. Um, and Clark, I'm not getting on a scale for another week. Not for another week. Uh, did you put out an invite to Ian because he's not that far from you? He's right across the water in St. Pete. Uh, Ian is cordially invited. You're, you're shut out. You're shut. Okay. Hey, I just want to throw out a uh, how do you do to. The Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions have won three straight. They're actually in second place in their division ahead of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And they beat the New York Giants last week. And they've won the last two road games where they hadn't won 13 before. You know, hallelujah. The Detroit Lions are back on the map. Now, it's a Thanksgiving tradition, the guys, of course, that they lose Thanksgiving morning. I'm not sure that happens. Probably does because they're playing a tough team, Buffalo. But you know what? It's nice to see them back on the map. They no longer are, Bill Cowher, a disgrace. So anyway, Motown is go town. Hallelujah. Good to see you. That's going to do it, guys. Uh, if you'd like to listen to this or any iTest for Two podcast, you know what the drill is. You just go to our website, itestfor2.com or the mothership, and that would be the fullpresscoverage.com website. Or just look for us um, this next week. Um, we're going to be right here at the eye test for two with what's going on next week. Guys? We'll probably have some more Hall of Fame talk. What's going on next week? Thanksgiving leftovers. Uh, what's going on? The Bucks will be on a three-game winning streak because they'll take care of business in Cleveland. Clark, there that's you go. That's what's going on. Anyway, look for that next week. Thanks so much for listening and happy Thanksgiving.